face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Film to Film, the best film podcast, in my opinion. Um, my name is Iñaki, and I'm here with my good friends James. Hi, James, how are you doing? I am well. How are you doing, Iñaki? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we had a little break uh, between the last episode and this one, I believe. Uh, didn't did we? Yeah, what, one extra week. Uh, you yeah. had to uh, check out the art scene in Detroit and say Candyman a few times, but you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're back. You're still alive. Yeah, I survived uh, saying uh, Candyman. So you know, uh, there we go. Uh, so today is October eighth. Uh, it is the beginning of, you know, the fall, and fall means with that we're near Halloween, and I chose a spooky movie today. Yes, you did. Or at least I think. Uh, but yeah, today uh, we watched Thirst, a uh, 2009 film. I, uh, we both watched it in the past. I think we, we saw it in theaters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. I mean, this as well as the inaugural episode of Film to Film's uh, Mother released the same year. These are like the two big Korean films uh, that year. So I definitely saw this in theaters, I think on the Ave when it came out. And I probably, uh, you probably came along with me too, Mm because you were probably my number one film going buddy at that time. Yeah. Wait, who's your number one film going buddy now? Uh, No one. (laughs) But probably me, uh, who was a guest star on this podcast. But it's probably like three or four times a year, maybe at most. Oh yeah, meet. I well after the podcast, I I need to ask you if he had anything to do with uh, his system going out on Monday. But that's uh, besides the point. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, uh, he works for uh, one of the big temp companies, and if you know the timeline, you could probably figure out which ones. I already gave him shit over it, and he did not respond to me. So. Uh, <laughs> we can just leave it at that. All right. Yeah, I bet. I bet it was a nightmare. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Back. Back to the the film. So, Thirst, uh, two thousand nine film. This was by uh, Park Chan Wook. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. 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 Park Chan Wook. Uh, yeah. Uh, Park Chan Wook. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's very well known for the Vengeance three uh, thr- uh, trilogy. Uh, which includes Old Boy. Uh, He also did uh, Handmaiden on uh, Joint Security Area. I have seen... uh, I've seen the Vengeance uh, Trilogy as well as Joint Security Area. I have yet to watch The Handmaiden. It's on my list. Um, But... I like this director. Uh, He's very stylistic. He, uh, just like uh, Bong Joon-ho... Uh, has a very good does a very good job at mixing uh, serious matters with uh, comedy. Um, so, what when revisiting uh, Thirst, what do you think of the film? You know, I I quite like this film. Um, it, it's usually a less mentioned film than uh, than Old Boy, as you mentioned, and had made uh, more recently, um, but. Uh, and I do think I like it just a smidge less than those films, but I think this is quite a good film. Um, and I think especially the first third and the last third uh, hold up really, really 
well. Um, and my memory of this film was that uh, I like almost all of it, except for just a little bit there in the middle. Um, and that was more or less how I continued to feel about it. It's probably been about 10 years since, uh, maybe maybe slightly less, uh, that that uh, since the last time I saw this film. Uh, but it, back in 2009, 2010, um, I definitely uh, saw this film a few times with a few different friends. And it mm-hmm. was uh, one of, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's just a really interesting and really unique film. Yeah, I um I I remember enjoying this film actually quite a bit. And uh, when watching it over, I really liked it again. Uh I need to rewatch Old Boy uh because I've only seen that one once. But I actually put this one almost as high as Old Boy. I have not seen Hand Handmade, so I cannot say anything about that. Uh, I put this higher than Joint Security Area and higher than the other two Vengeance trilogy films. Uh, okay. Sim- yeah, yeah. It's fair enough. I mean, Old Boy is one that it's been ten years since I've seen too, so uh, definitely one I need to revisit. Uh, but yeah, I, I can certainly agree with most of that. Yeah, I mean, Old Boy has better action probably and better effects. Yeah, you know, Old Boy, I think it's a simpler tale. It has, like, a hell of a payoff, which is, I think, what everyone remembers it for. Uh, But but this film has, I think, more depth to it and is a little more interesting in some of the things it tackles. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, Park Chan, very stylish director, um, and he's a great compliment for people that are just sort of diving into Korean cinema, perhaps through Bong Joon-ho, because he's also quite different from Bong uh, in what he chooses to cover. And his films cover, um, not quite sure how to put it, but like the sexual politics of them is quite a bit more complex uh, mm. than uh, than director Bong, who uh, usually doesn't tackle romance and, and that sort of stuff in the same way. Yeah, I mean, uh, this film at least definitely... I mean, you got a little bit of romance. In fact, uh, this movie is based on a book by Emile Zola, a French author. I have yeah. not read the book, uh, but it's called, fuck, I'm not even going to pronounce it right, but uh, Teresi Rakin. Yep. Um, and that book is basically like your good old fashioned, like, uh, romantic drama with like family and feuds and uh, not feuds but like with family and like that kind of intrigue and it's not really much about you know vampires but uh, and by the way I just got this I read the plot summary on Wikipedia so I'm like <laughs> I have not read the book as I said before oh interesting um, okay I didn't know it was not about vampires at all um, I just saw it was published like in the 1800s so I was like, yeah. okay, that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, no, it's it's about it's it's really like about the the story with uh, the female character with uh, what's her name uh, with uh, Taiju, like, but I mean with French names, but like the that that's the story, the story of uh, of a person of a of a woman who's tired of her first husband lives and she lives with uh, her mother in law, and you know and goes into a um, has like a a an affair romance an affair that's the word yeah has an affair with uh, with an an old friend who shows up is the uh, old friend I assume he's probably a priest still 
I do. I don't even know if uh, they touch that uh, that subject matter. Uh, I'm gonna do it very quick. I was looking uh, for. I really skimmed it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you did more than me. Uh, I in a control quick control F. I don't see priest there. Uh, so Park Chan-wook read that. He was like, you know what? This needs. This is great. Uh, it needs some vampires, and we're gonna make him a priest too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. So I mean, he added more weight. Uh, I think. I, I I think the the uh the novel is on the girl's perspective perspective or at least she's the main character uh in the film the main character is the priest so the lover uh and then we add the vampirism on you know again being a priest um so before we go any further i'm gonna do a quick you know, the quick one-sentence summary. This one I got it from uh, IMDb. Okay. Uh, basically, through a failed medical experiment, a priest is stricken with vampirism and is forced to abandon his ascetic ways. Yeah, yeah, that works. Uh, yeah. It's, it doesn't reveal too much. That's like the first um, uh, 20 minutes uh, or so. Mm-hmm. Although here's where I, I, I agree to a point, but I do think that the, the center of the movie is actually the romance. That's fair. That, that's a good point, actually. Um, because, yeah, you know, uh, well, I, I listened to a podcast about this film before we did it, and they were sort of discussing why this might be a lesser scene of Park Chan-wook uh, film. And people were saying that it might be just because it's really confusing to know what this film is about. It's like... You look at it and you see like the main guy's a priest and you might think it's a certain type of film that's maybe a little more uh, art house and slower moving and like more of a serious drama uh, when this film is really not that at all. So it's just a very difficult film to sort of, um, you know, get the grasp of what it is with just the short synopsis or an image or something like that. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point because this film is very complex. There's a lot of stuff going on with it. Uh, but I do think you are right. Uh, the center of it really is the uh, romance between uh, Teju and um, uh, the priest character. Yeah. It, it, by the way, it is interesting that we're talking about a, a movie about a Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially a week where, you know, the, the report in France came out saying that, uh, what was it, like 700 children children have been uh, molested by priests in France alone. There's something, some insane number. Uh, it was so bad that the Pope himself was like, damn, I'm ashamed of this fucking church. I did not hear that news, but that is, uh, <laughs> that is, uh, that's not good news. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course, what the Pope said, but, uh, <laughs> but the words that he used were extremely critical on okay. how the church has behaved since the 60s or 50 or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah uh, and and what's interesting it, it the reason i bring this up is because uh some of the discussions that they were having like so the report came out it was a report done by by the french government and there were actually suggestions within the report of why uh the church i mean beyond beyond what the obvious things which are you know the church wants to protect itself blah 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 so that's why things were not uncovered but the second part is why is the Catholic Church more prone to having these issues than other church churches? I wanted the the celibacy, mm-hmm. uh, to you know the the lack of 
yeah, the, the inability of a priest to get married. And I think they also sort of look into the fact that Catholic Church is, is one of the few remaining mainstream ca uh, Christian churches that still the, only the priest can be, only a man can be a priest. And again, celibacy and all the other stuff. Right, right, right. So that makes it more prone to having those those power imbalances and abuse. Yeah. And it's and Go I ahead. think it's interesting to have that into this film where Catholicism and the Catholic guilt and the Catholic rules are part of it. Right, right. No, I mean I, I think that's a good point. I, I think this film is very I mean, it's important that he is Catholic and I think it's worth noting that, uh, you know, Korea is a fairly Christian country. Like, Christianity is pretty prevalent, um, in South Korea at least. Uh, but the majority is definitely not Catholic. Catholic is mm -hmm. a, a minor, very minor, compared to the Protestant uh, uh, sects of Christianity in Korea. So uh, I think it's a very deliberate uh, choice to make it Catholic uh, in this film. I mean, I don't think it's a unobvious one too i mean certainly like the guilt and stuff like that is a central theme to this as well um so yeah mm -hmm. right yeah no for sure i mean the, the film sort of points that out actually some some characters like the 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 family that you know invites him um like miss mrs raw uh and her son when when she brings him in it's mainly because he's she's the only one who survived the uh emmanuel uh disease or whatever it's called <laughs> the mm -hmm. Emmanuel virus and and he's like yeah but I don't do he, 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 he's like are you guys even Catholic and she's like no no we don't believe in that stuff but uh, but you survived this so you're miraculous <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's an interesting film in that it, it shows uh, it, it does show a little bit of South Korea and how everyone's like oh okay Catholic priest yeah uh my my girlfriend, she's a Filipino. She's also Catholic, you know, as in like uh, he's sort of an exotic character by being a Catholic priest. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It definitely does highlight that. It's not a mainstream thing in uh, Korea at all. Mm hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, so now going to sort of uh, the discussions, I mean. I, I mean I don't know how much you know about Catholicism. I know you are you grew up um in more on the Protestant side. Um I grew up as Catholic although I think now you're more Christian than I am. <laughs> well, I learned my Christian uh, my Catholicism through Martin Scorsese. So uh and Scorsese actually is quite good at teaching Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. He's good at the guilt parts. In yeah. fact, I'd be very curious to see what Scorsese sees of uh, has, says of this film. I bet he would like it quite a bit, but I'd be curious. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with with the latest current event and this film, one thing that I thought was that struck me was how um, this movie really plays with not just the guilt. But uh, that fear of the temptations and letting go of those strict rules that you have, especially as a priest. And when he lets go, he lets go. Like, I mean, it's, he, go, he goes through basically all the capital sins in one yeah. go. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like he sort of spirals there for uh, about half an hour in the film, and he's just like pretty out of control. Um, yeah. And the rest of the film, he's like very, he's really trying very hard to control himself uh, uh-huh. and constrain himself to uh, be, uh, to, to not sin, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's I find it interesting. So I wonder if if this was planned or you know I'm reading into it as a former Catholic. But I mean, if you go into the whole seventh Catholic sins, he, I mean, he he goes through you know gluttony in the sense that he just starts like stealing blood from everywhere and just like eating like crazy. Uh, whenever he's offered, he's just you know taking it uh, as much as he can. Or in the case of, uh, or, or even even in the sex scenes, which we'll go to the next scene, right? In the sex scenes, he is drinking out of uh, out of Taiju while you know while having sex, and then goes into the second part, lust, right? Does he love her? Does he not? And that's something that I will go and uh, that we'll discuss in a little bit later. Uh, you have envy. In that he he's sort of envious of uh, what's happening, uh, anger in you know when he gets mad at uh, uh, Kang Wu for something like he just wants to be have a reason to be mad at him to kill him, which goes into you know and and, and so on. Yeah, um, it's I I find that very uh, at least a very masterful way of like telling the story and how this man falls from being actually a really good priest, a really caring man, to, you know, the monster that he is. Yeah, but at the end, it's like, it's not like, so it's like, sometimes in like a Martin Scorsese film or something, it's like some person will start a certain way and then they'll finish a different place. But I like how in this film, he starts and then he sort of falls and then he's sort of like, picks it up back together sort of at the end and it t- towards the conclusion like he never becomes like totally goes into the dark end like that good like he uh like teju once she becomes a vampire she's she's more in like the complete i'm gonna not hold back on anything and at the end of the film uh the way he sort of ends it with her and how he can't ha- let her do that and how he sort of saves evelyn uh, he, uh, you know, he doesn't become a totally different person uh, at the end. Yeah, no, he does not. Although so, he, so I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like yeah. that too. I mean, at the end of the day, though, he is. If there's one sin that he he has from the very beginning is pride, and he ends with that sin. If we were to be looking into the deadly sins, uh, because. Uh, the experiment that he joins is an experiment that the Vatican literally said, don't do this. And he's just like, oh no, I will join. I will join because I, unlike everyone else who's dying from this, will survive through my prayer. And he he, he does. And then everything else kind of holds him up. Like he kills, the the, the reason why Taiju becomes a vampire is because he kills her. Mm-hmm. It's and and it's interesting because like this is something I do not remember, and it's 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 very relevant. He kills her out of anger. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remembered it differently too. I remembered it was more of a consensual decision between the two of them, but that's not at all what it was. 
Right. So he kills her without any consent. He turns her into a vampire because he feels guilty about it. And then he kills her again at the end. So how good is he of a man? I mean, he's making difficult choices in general uh, because it's you could say it's a trolley. Is that trolley dilemma? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But at the but same yeah, time, he's, he created a problem. Yeah, he's he's a highly flawed character. I mean, he is the one that commits. I mean, I guess at the end, Teju is, is racking up the murders and the kills at the end. So she, maybe she beats him at the end. But they both kill a number of people, uh, including... Uh, yeah, so they well, both... I, yeah, no, I agree. But under his Catholic rule, he actually kills a lot of people. You just you just don't see it because the the way he's getting blood after he la- leaves the church and the hospital is he basically gets uh, people who are in suicidal cults. <laughs> yeah, and, which... and and kills them, which is the greatest sin of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suicide. I mean, I, I'm glad you brought up suicide. I had that on my list of stuff to get to while we were talking about this too. Uh, so in one of the podcasts I was listening to before this, Final Girls, uh, they were uh, talking about like his motivation for initially signing up for the trial. I was curious to get your take on it too. Um, they were saying that uh, one interpretation you could have is that he's already suicidal um, at mm. the very beginning of the film, and he's so suicidal. And you remember in the Emanuel virus trials, uh, they're asking him, this isn't a way for you just to commit suicide, is it? And he's like, no, 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 it's not. But their theory was that maybe this is he's just suicidal from the start and he, it's not it's less of him being like prideful and a good person and more of him just like uh, this is how he's he's so deeply spiritual and he needs to find a way, uh, I don't know, to kill himself basically uh, in mm. a way that's not suicide. I thought it was interesting. I, I, I can't say I totally agree necessarily, but um, his motivations at the beginning are a little mysterious to me enough that I do uh, I, I thought the theory was worth discussing yeah no it's it's an interesting theory uh, I mean the, the at the beginning of the film uh, you have a confession scene where he talks he's talking to a nurse uh, and I mean I, I wrote part of the quotes but basically he's sort of saying oh if you want people who really want to reach God are people who hate themselves or people, yeah, people who really want to try to speak to God or people who hate themselves and they're weaker to the devil's influence. You know, suicide is the, uh, it's a, it's a, it's the big, it's the biggest sin of all because you're killing, you're choosing to kill a creation of God. So I recommend, uh, <clears throat> so that I recommend using the, the solutions that God, God has given through science, which is antidepressants. Uh, so you can forget about that, uh, boyfriend that you broke up with and blah 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 and then the nurse responds to him with a line like something something like uh i will deal with that bastard the way i do and i will de- deal with my earthly problems the way i do and you priest continue just continue praying and doing <laughs> your priest things yeah so Maybe, yeah, maybe he completely read in that confession uh, that she wanted to get suicide. Uh, she wanted to commit suicide. Well, you know, maybe, maybe she did not say any of that. Uh, the priest is, is projecting onto her, and then that could be uh, another piece to that uh, argument, at least another premise to the argument uh, 
from the Final Girl. Final Girls? Final Girls, yeah. Podcast. Yeah, Final Girls podcast. I mean, could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, like, the, uh, the, I don't know, like, the, like, flagellating himself and stuff like that, uh, and, like, the feeling extreme guilt, it's certainly part of his core, uh, I don't know, spirituality and his core self. So, uh, f- all of that guilt and feeling bad. Um, so, it's interesting. I, I yeah, hadn't no, considered sure. that. Yeah, because my initial read was that, oh, this guy is, like, so, well, prideful, perhaps, but also, like, so... Uh, driven to do good that he wants to sign up for this trial. But I thought it was an interesting read to think about. I mean, he did he did try to kill himself when he discovered he's the vampire. Uh, which part are you talking about? Uh, so, um, he... Th- this is one interesting thing, I mean, before going on that, he doesn't turn into a vampire right away. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh... After he gets blood transfusion, he actually can be around the light for a little bit. And then later, after the Mahjong, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Mahjong. Mahjong. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the Mahjong uh, night, where he first has his uh, sinful thoughts about um, about Taiju, the next morning, he everything gets heightened. Uh, he gets sick with food, sun starts hurting him, and he's getting the lesions back from uh, the uh, Emmanuel virus. Yeah. He drinks blood. He realizes that the lesions go away after drinking blood. And then he jumps off a window headfirst into a car. Oh. oh. That is okay. an attempt to, uh, attempted suicide. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Actually, I. You're you're definitely right. Um, I I for some reason I didn't read that as suicide, but you're definitely correct. I mean, yeah, he. I mean, I, I again, I did not remember that in the in the uh, in the previous watch, but watching it here, he definitely went head first into that car's uh, windshield. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I love the way they filmed that too. It's really well filmed. That uh, just some like not cutting much, and he just like. He's just there, and he just jumps out. It doesn't make like a big dramatic build up uh, to it or anything like that. Right? Yeah, and 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 they even add a little bit of comedy because he, his head is literally you yeah. see it from from above how his head is literally literally stuck in the uh, windshield. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, so yeah, the 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 whole question of. Uh, of suicide is an interesting question. Um, I think it's plausible. I think it's plausible that maybe he is a suicidal character. Clearly, he did not have a good childhood. He was an orphan mm-hmm. yeah. from an orphanage. Um, and his best best friend as a child was an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is very who upsetting. He, who he eventually kills. Exactly. Um, well, you know, and jumping into so going into the guilt of, of this character, this is the part where I ask my so. There's always a discussion. I, I myself consider myself uh, almost, if not completely, atheist right now, 
And there's always an interesting discussion with um, Christians, some Christians, I mean, not all Christians, right? Some Christians, where they say, well, if you do not believe in God or heaven and hell, why would you do good things? Which, you know, my, my argument tends to be uh, because I'm not an asshole. Like, if, if your belief of heaven and hell is the only thing that's stopping you from doing good things, then uh, fuck, stay away from me because, you know, you're, you're probably a sociopath. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, if the belief of sure, sure, of sure. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, morality comes from many areas. It doesn't have to be from religion. Mm-hmm. But this movie kind of plays with that. Um The priest, for example, um, because of his religion, he's against killing. I mean, he does it out of necessity, but he feels bad and guilty about it every time. Mm-hmm. Right? On the other hand, they make very clear that Taiju does not believe. At least she's not Catholic, but I think she's, she doesn't believe in God or even heaven or hell, especially at the end. And therefore, she enjoys the uh, killing. She she enjoys the fuck out of it. She she's just <laughs> she really has fun with it. And um, I don't know if that's a message the movie is trying to say. Because I mean, even when she at the end when they're both dying, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, I, I hope we get to live eternity together in hell. And she responds to him, "No, when we're dead, we're just dead." Mm-hmm. Like. I wonder if, if this movie is basically trying to say, like, hey, had he not been religion, religious, he would have been just like her. It, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know that there's a totally correct answer to that. Um, how I've always read her character and how I read it this time is that for it, it's more a question of, like, upbringing and stuff like that. And how, mm-hmm. I mean, these are both orphan characters. Uh, one of them ended up getting sort of adopted into the Catholic Church. And um, Teju, she's in this, like, totally abusive family uh, where mm-hmm. the uh, mom, Mrs. Raw, uh, treats her really poorly. And her, her uh, husband, I guess, Kongu, yeah. uh, okay. he's also a, a total, I mean, he's just, like, kind of a gross individual. I don't even know what it is about him, but he just comes off like very gnarly. <laughs> it's like would not want to spend a lot of time with him. Um, uh, so he's just kind of a disgusting person. Um, and so for me, I always read it as like it's sort of like a power thing with her and mm-hmm. how like now that she can sort of flip the tables and how she's just been sort of like picked on and bullied her whole life uh, that once she can turn that power dynamic on there she's more likely to value that and sort of gleefully do that whereas like he's more i don't know uh the song han character is more just like in the uh i don't obviously the catholic part is very important to that but uh he's just also a very different person and it was brought up very different so even Mm -hmm. if he was uh brought up and then maybe at some point just rejected uh catholicism uh, like before he became a vampire or something like that. I do think he'd probably behave differently. So I don't know. Uh, for me, that's at least how I read Teju. Uh, Song Han, I think, is slightly more complicated but um, uh, and hard to make an exact case, at least. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you, but I, I thought it was an interesting question uh, to to see, you know, because... Yeah. I I mean, Teju is... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, uh, the religious uh, vampires and priest vampires. There's a new uh, Netflix series, which I think is really, really good, actually, uh, Midnight Mass, uh, which okay. I don't know if you've seen show up no, there yeah. but it's uh it also tackles similar religious themes where a priest uh comes back to an island um uh it's probably the best netflix show i've seen in the last couple of years uh mm-hmm. but it it tackles it in uh sort of catholic and vampirism themes in a fairly different way um that i thought was really really refreshing um mm. so i i think it's a good compliment it's interesting that i sort of saw that last week and now i i saw thirst this week um so it's a good uh i don't know they're a good uh pairing at least yeah i mean uh, christianity and and vampirism or uh, vampires and christian christian myth are sorry christianity is a very common theme in vampires myth um i don't know if it comes from you know uh Dracula, the novels about, about Dracula, or if it's older, but I mean, you know, right? The, I mean, but it's interesting though. I mean, like Midnight Mass is set in sort of like a New England island, and this is set in Korea. Uh, so mm-hmm. these are like not traditional, like it's not like fucking Romania or something like that, or even like a decaying Italy or whatever, right? So it's interesting that, like, even then, it, but you're right, it, it definitely has those sorts of like roots and like tradition and like. Catholicism seems like a better fit for it than like, I don't know, like some evangelical thing or something like that. So yeah, um, just like the whole tradition and and stuff, it gives it like a certain gravity. And I think that almost works pretty well with just Park Chan-wook's style too. Uh, uh-huh. He sort of has like this real operatic style, like that music kicks in, and it's sort of like this like modern classical style. And I think it works well with uh, I don't know the material in general. Yeah, yeah, I I. I... Now that we we talked about different uh, other I, I, other Christian Christian uh, sects, how do you call this? Uh, Christian religions. <laughs> um, I am. I mean, Catholicism is an easy one to use because it has such well-established rules. Uh, denominations. Denominations. <laughs> there you go. Jesus, I, I think we were both blanking right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, I, yeah, out of Christian den- 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 denominations, uh, Catholicism is easy because it has the most established rules. It also it's the oldest out of all the Christian denominations. Uh, it would be funny to watch uh, a movie, a vampire movie, with televangelists. <laughs> I would watch that movie. I know. I mean, it could be really campy, but uh, you know, I mean, I would like a Korean director to do it though. Yeah, I feel like the Korean directors. I couldn't even imagine like if someone came to me with this idea and like it was in America. I was like, it sounds like it's going to be terrible. Um, but there's something about like Koreans. I mean, like this idea is pretty bonkers and just all the stuff that's going on. It's pretty crazy. Uh, it's almost like B-movie type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Koreans really do it justice. I mean, this film in particular. Well, they take it seri- seriously. So this is one, one thing, you know, like, obviously tip of, uh, tip of the hat for Park Chan-wook. But, uh, I mean, the cinematography in this film uh, by Chang Chang-hoon, 
it's amazing. Uh, and I mean, it, it really takes it takes a film very seriously. Like there's some beautiful takes. I mean, from the very beginning, uh, you have the introduction of of the priest in this room and like this wall that is just well lit. Or the, the, this wall that it's only the wall lit, while the room sort of seems dark. Which you later, later learn that it's you know the, the the hospital room, and but you have this kind of takes everywhere when he's in Africa doing uh, because I think the la the lab is in Africa. So when he's Af I think they they make a place where I don't know if they shot in Africa or probably not. They probably shot in somewhere else, but like a sunny day in Korea, probably sunny day in Korea. But you know, it's a really nice take on on that building in general. Um, this is probably more the director than the cinematographer. But one sequence I love in this film is after um, Taiju learns and accepts uh, that the priest is a vampire. Uh, he picks her up and jumps around um, around the city, like on the rooftops, and. The camera is just set on around his shoulder, seeing her face of enjoyment, like childlike enjoyment. And I mean, it's just a, with the, with the music, the scenery, the the scene, her acting, and I mean, oh boy, her acting, all of that together makes it beautiful. Like of a, a, a very mundane, man, or not mundane. I mean, it's a, I guess, a superhero thing, but but it's it just. Brings the, the childlike joy uh, of her character to, to, to the screen and the sort of wonder and awe of what's happening. Right, right. No, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I think the effects are pretty well integrated into this film. Uh, in comparison, The Host, which came out a few years earlier, I don't know if you've seen that film recently, but the effects have definitely dated that film a little bit more uh, than you'd hope. Um, mm -hmm. I still love that film, but uh, this film, I do feel like they're really well integrated. And I think it also goes to show it's like, you know, this Korean film, it's it's a fraction of like a Hollywood blockbuster in terms of budget. But what they can do is just in terms of creativity, great acting and just like uh, just a little bit of, uh, I don't know, graphics. Um, it's really good. Uh, it's really well done. And I think it holds up quite well uh, 12 years later. Yeah. I mean, I think the scene I'm talking about. I don't know how much uh, CGI they used because it's a very close, uh, close. It's a it's a close up of her face as everything else is sort of moving mm, because mm -hmm. she's jumping around. Uh, I don't know if you rewatch it, uh, you'll see. I remember it struck it struck me back in two thousand nine, but watching it again, I was like, yeah, this is beautiful. It's just a yeah. very beautiful scene. Yeah, and it, it's really just her face, but like with the background just sort of changing because they're jumping around. Um, it, it's interesting because I mean you kind of get that in I wouldn't be surprised that he was inspired by Spider-Man 2001 Spider-Man because Spider-Man sort of had that a little bit with Spider-Man hmm. holding uh, Mary Jane but this was done so much better but like I wouldn't be surprised that it was built on that Spider-Man from 2001 you're probably right uh, yeah I bet it's from one of those Spider-Mans because uh, I think there's a couple right around that era. Right, right. It's true. Good uh, old Tobey Maguire. Sam Raimi, actually. Yeah, Sam Raimi. Again, another great director uh, who can work, who can do a lot with a very small budget. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was thinking, maybe, I guess I mentioned the 2001 because I feel like visually speaking, the 2001 sets everything that you will see on this on the second and third movie. It's true. Yeah, I mean, and the second one, it's like, I don't know that they did a ton different. Uh, yeah, been a long time since I've seen those films, too. But yeah, you're spot on. Uh, this film looks great. Um, I think uh, compared to like Bong. I think Park has an even like richer, more lavish look to his films. Mm-hmm. You still haven't seen The Handmaiden, but The Handmaiden, I think, might be his most lavish yet, and just in mm. terms of like richness of sets and stuff like that, just an incredible, um, just sort of set design and stuff like that. And uh, you know, he gives the impression of someone that's just very controlling on these details. He's going for a really certain look. Uh, my personal favorites for just the look of scenes are are actually really simple like the mahjong scenes and just the way the camera just moves and glides through um i just think it's like super well done so i'm a big fan of just like um just how he's controlling every movement and stuff like that in in a lot of these scenes and how we're able to get introduced to all of these characters because we kind of get introduced we, we obviously get introduced to uh song han the priest uh at the beginning but all of these other characters we're kind of getting introduced introduced to at the same time so just doing that like really economically through these mahjong scenes and showing mm-hmm. like the character interactions and stuff like that that's like really i don't know i mean people have been doing sort of like that sort of movie making for a really really long time and i think he's really good at it um in like those hallways and just like the geography of that house which eventually transforms to this like a different color scheme later in the film. Uh-huh. I really like it. I, I think it's just really classically good filmmaking. I completely agree. And uh, when it comes to the uh, the mahjong uh, film, uh, the mahjong scene, the first one, and this probably will go for other things. I think what Park did in that one is he took something that already we know, right? Whether it's a, uh, when you have a scene where people are eating or playing cards or something on a table, you have the camera moving around that table. That's, that's a classic, uh, I'm not going to say cliche, but that's a classic take, right? Mm-hmm. When, and I went down right. I mean, it looks good. But he took it to the next level on the Mahjong. So he made the camera tell the story, emphasize where to look. And uh, and uh, so I'm so glad you brought it up because uh, and I, like I, I have this on my notes is as you have for example you're learning about the cop the the former cop he's telling his story and the camera slows down on him uh, and, and sort of frames everyone who's playing the game but then there's a moment where they talk about like rape and abuse of women and the camera sort of slows down and zooms in without while still spinning around the same table so something spin and zooms in a little bit on the girls who are outside the table who are preparing food who are like the servants of all these people the filipino girl and uh and taiju and it slows down to make sure that you understand oh when t- they're talking about abuse they're talking about them they're gonna be they're the abused people and then it sort of continues spinning right and i think it's it's such a smart way of doing it and it's so so much more dynamic than the your average just spinning camera or uh, i guess translating camera around the table this one or rotating camera whatever you call it this one sort of 
really zooms in and out when necessary without ever stopping that movement. So you're still right, in right. it. Yeah, and it sort of shows you the hierarchy too, uh, just in that moment too. It's like the two females, as you mm-hmm. describe as victims, uh, they are outside of that that central group, whereas the priest gets invited in immediately, uh, even mm-hmm. though he's technically probably the one that knows everyone the least. Right. Um, and it's interesting how... I don't know why I thought Teiju Te was supposed to be half Japanese. Uh, I don't think she is. Uh, yeah, I don't think she is either. I, I don't know why I thought she was. Because uh, I, I knew that the mom looked down upon her. Mm-hmm. The the mother-in-law. It's probably just the orphan thing is, is yeah, my reading on it. The orphan thing and the fact that the, his, her dad did not finish high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, for the Filipino girl, I mean, she didn't even speak Korean. She only spoke English from from what the movie makes you look, uh, makes it seem like. And yeah, she was almost more like uh, a trophy girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, how familiar you are with sort of like the Southeast Asian migrant workers to Korea or Japan for that matter. Uh, I'm, but, I'm uh, aware for the Filipino okay. migrant workers, yeah. They're, they're, they don't have a reputation uh, for being treated super well um, uh, amongst, like, uh, I mean, obviously Korea, Japan, they're very homogenous population. So uh, there's certainly a bit of social commentary going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, that there's such, like, an age difference between them um, uh, and and the fact that she's sort of outside and sort of like a second-class person just like Teju. Uh, yeah. Woman. Yeah. And I think, the, again, the framing on that scene is so... So well done, especially because yeah. the camera sort of has that up-down look where you can see everyone sitting on the table from above looking down on them. Actually, they're not even looking down on them. It's the camera looking down on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love it. I-, I think it looks great. And those mm-hmm. are actually my favorite uh, just visually scenes in the film. I think just yeah. those ones. And the Mahjong scene, obviously, later, uh, which features... Uh, I don't know, which is also a joy to watch. And, you know, there's scenes that that's sort of at a point in the movie where I'm I, I do feel like it's slowed down a bit. And that scene just brings you right back in. It's such a fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, we can jump into the actually before jumping in there. One thing I was gonna going back to more of the themes in general I like what I like. What I like about this movie as well is Teju. In that, she is sort of a Cinderella character, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I get that. That makes sense. However, you know, you turn around saying like, no, in real life, if you treated someone like Cinderella, that person will be a shitty person as soon as she gets power. <laughs> what do you think? I like that. That uh, yeah, that's a. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I hadn't considered that. I the thought had crossed my mind uh, that she's a Cinderella, but uh, like a more realistic Cinderella, and you know it makes a lot of sense. And it's like, in some ways, you want to root for her, but yeah, she becomes a terrible person, uh, and mm-hmm. and it it feels completely fluid. It doesn't feel abrupt at all. Yeah, to me at least. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's she, like, she... sort of like, of course she would. I mean, from the beginning, you know that she's sick of everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the movie hints at a lot that she would love to kill her husband. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, those shots of her raising that thing and going into his mouth. The shears or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a <laughs> that's a that's that's a very memorable just shot right there too. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially because it follows the hand. Yeah, yeah. I know. I wouldn't want to be the guy they filmed that with. I mean, like I think uh, hopefully Kim Ok Bin, uh, who plays Teju, uh, has really good hand-eye coordination. Uh, I assume she does <laughs> because that would be a little disarming um, to to. <laughs> to have a pair of garden chairs just shoved in your mouth like that. Well, that's why Okbin won uh, Best Actress that year in the Korean Awards, whatever they're, they're named. I forget now. I think I have. Actually, I don't, I don't think she did. Uh, but there's multiple Korean Awards, so maybe we're looking oh, at different ones. Yeah, uh, lo- you're right, you're right. Wait, I, I saw her name uh, being... She was nominated. Um so what I have for the awards is that uh, it was nominated for 10, and it won for Music and uh, Best Supporting Actress uh, for Mrs. Raw. I mean, her looks did a lot just with her eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – yeah, yeah. She She's good. Uh, like all of these sort of supporting characters are kind of all pieces of shit. Like, mm-hmm. every one of them. This film does that thing that, I don't know, a lot of slashers do, where everyone's just kind of a dirtbag, other than maybe your lead character. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's good. She's she's really, uh, she's good as the abusive mom, and then she gets some nice uh, non-audible acting at the end, like, for the last mm-hmm. uh, 45 minutes of the film. Like, she's good in the scene where they die at the very end. Oh, she's and amazing. She's, and she's great in the uh, uh, scene where she just gets to blink a bunch. <laughs> well and they had the extra like sound effects for the blinking <laughs> yeah yeah which almost sounds like clapping um okay yeah that that makes sense so i mean i still think that taiju does a, a great job uh at her character um uh, taiju sorry uh Ok-bin. Yeah, Kim Ackman. Uh I agree. Yeah, uh, should we talk about some of the performances too? Because I do think that those two lead performances, Kim Ackman and Song Kong Ho, of course, are really, um, I don't know, they're core strengths of the film. Because this film really mm-hmm. is kind of a romance between those two characters. Mm-hmm. And they're both really good. And I mean, Kim Ackman, uh let's see, how old was she when this film was released? Much younger uh, than she was uh, born in 1987. So she would have been... 22 when this film came out and Song Kong Ho uh, would have been uh, 42 when this film came out. So a 20 year age difference between them, but they're, uh, which I assume probably came from the book. Who knows? Um, but they're really incredible together. And like Song Kong Ho obviously has a long history of being a great actor. Um, yeah. So the fact that she can keep up with them and I think she's totally his equal in this film. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, she kicks ass too, and she's great uh, as sort of like the victim uh, in the first part, and she's great as sort of like the sociopathic vampire at the end, uh, just picking off victims and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, extremely. It's a great character. Uh, I also love like. I don't know why, even when she's evil, like when she's enjoying something, I am too. Uh, yeah, like just she, the actress just yeah, can bring that. You that know, enjoyment. Yeah, Song Kang Ho in this film, he's he, it's for him. It's a relatively like sedate and like 
guilt role. So having just like the sheer glee that she has, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, mm-hmm. in 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 like kind of a sick sadistic way, <laughs> just yeah. because of what she's doing. But yeah, she's uh she's kind of like a good complement um, of very opposite characteristics uh, for Song Kong Ho, who's like more of like the oh I did this, I need to feel really guilty about this, and he's like really somber about it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Then of course we have uh, Mrs. Ra. Hmm. Uh, by Kim Hai Suk, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, um. I mean, what else can we say about it? She played an alcoholic, abusive mother-in-law really well. Yeah. No, she did. Um. I, I did want to real quickly add about Kim Ak Bin though is that uh, she's appeared in a couple other films too, uh, mm. the villainous where I think she gets to kill um, her husband in this film too, <laughs> who's oh. recast in that film Shin Ha Kian. That's a kind of a, a a John Wick style action film, pretty enjoyable if you're into that sort of film uh, where she plays the lead. Um, which oh is shit, I'm badass. watching it. Yeah, yeah. So it's good as just far as like a high body count Korean uh, action film with her as the lead. So. Uh, Any like a good like uh, gun martial arts in that? Uh, I I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I loaded it, and the poster of her is her with like a handgun uh, just on her side, and uh, and the villain is her husband here. So I mean, uh, good cast, um, pretty enjoyable film. Uh, the hu- yeah, sorry, so I interrupted Kim Hyesook, Mrs. Ra. Uh, we just talked about her a little bit, and then we got uh, Shin Hakyun. Uh, yep. the son and husband Kang yeah. Wu I actually have some issues with this character oh yeah what are your issues but I want to hear first how, what, what do you think about him he's very dislikable um, one yeah. interesting thing I think about this film um, and I think Korean film maybe more generally speaking but maybe we'll just talk specifically about this film too is like you know, usually in films, the convention at least is to cast uh, to cast sort of like the conventional male handsome guy uh, in his like twenties or thirties as mm-hmm. the lead. And so, in this film, if you were to just look at the cast, that would be this guy. Uh, and uh, but instead, we sort of have like this younger woman and uh, Song Kong Ho as the lead. So I think it's interesting, like if you look at those three uh, who get to share some. Uh, very sexy scenes together uh uh that uh it's not that he is sort of like this snot-nosed uh guy and he sort of has like this smile that's really clean but in like sort of like a like slightly creepy way um Mm -hmm. that works really well for this film um i don't love his character i mean i think it's kind of a shitty character i think you you're supposed to dislike him uh Mm -hmm. just as, as sort of a slimy stuff but i think it's interesting sort of the casting choices um, and uh, I think he does a good job at just making him sort of like this slimy character. Uh, yeah, what are, what's your take on him? Uh, I mean, I, no, I agree with you that, uh, you know, if the intention is for him to be entirely uh, a slimy, buffoon-ish character, you know, who's always like full of snots and uh, kind of an idiot and all that, if that was your only intention... He's good, but then there's the exception here, which is there's a few scenes 
where he actually seems really fine and normal. And that's where I'm like, there's a couple of moments where I, I sort of struggle where um, he's not consistent. So, you know, and, and, and maybe, maybe it's because around his family, around the intimacy of his family is when he's the slimy idiot who, you know, whose mom smells his farts to see whether or not he <laughs> is sick. Um, it's pretty gross. But I mean, there's a scene where he's introducing, you know, his friends, the retired cop, uh, uh, the other guy with the Filipino girlfriend, and um, and when he's doing the introduction, he actually seems like very normal, like presentable. He's just like, "Hey, blah blah blah. Yeah, no, this is my friend. He's a cop. He can get you to he." You know, you need to swim at night, uh, at night when it's, you know, the place where it's illegal. He'll get you there. He'll, he, you know, he'll vouch for you. Uh, he's blah, blah, blah. He's, he's, she's, uh, she's Filipino. She's Catholic, too. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, all that stuff. And he's just, like, very centered and very normal for a fucking second. And then he goes back into the snotty, always sick, gross guy who is kind of an idiot. And, uh, or not kind of, like a complete idiot. And yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I, I guess the interpretation that I think you suggested at already is that you know, like most people, he puts on a face for mm-hmm. his friends or people he knows, and he makes more of an effort. Uh, when in reality, he's more of a, a snot-nosed uh, chip bag. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting? The, the other part is he's not that bad of a guy, like. He, he, yeah. So he 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 doesn't insult or necessarily treat Taiju bad, as far as we know. Uh, I mean, Taiju says that he hit her, but then later on we learn no, he never did. Yeah. Uh, in fact, all the all the bruises and lesions that she has were self-inflicted. Um, yeah. I mean, it's certainly a loveless marriage. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously but uh yeah i mean as you said i mean you make good points uh he's certainly a character that doesn't deserve to uh get killed the way he does um and uh you're right in terms of like actually bad stuff other than just being sort of annoying and and uh i don't know a jerk Mm -hmm. not that bad not that bad yeah i mean Mrs. Ra, that took a completely different story. I mean, right. she's the abusive mother-in-law uh, before adopted mother. I mean, he literally, uh, he, the first time, you know, that she talks about uh, Taiju, she talks about how, like, oh, yeah, I uh, talked bad about her parents and how they left and how she she brought her up as kind of a, kind of as a daughter and puppy. Yeah. So right there, you're like, okay, well, you know, kind of as a daughter, kind of as a puppy, <laughs> not really a human. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, I mean, that woman, I wouldn't, if I was a puppy, I wouldn't want to be raised by Mrs. Raw either. Jesus. Right. Because, I mean, Mrs. Raw uses her as, a, as her live mannequin uh, when she's not there to give uh, the hot water bag to the sun. She slaps her. I mean, yeah, no, it's, and, and, and you could say that maybe, maybe the son 
does deserve to die because, you know, a, a good husband would defend his wife from the abuse of the mother-in-law. Yeah. Good point. You know, I think that's probably his number one bad point as a human is the fact that he uh, is complicit in the uh, abuse. And that's, I think, probably a big reason why, you know, he's not totally sympathetic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and then we got the blind priest. Yeah. Or real quickly, uh, what do you think of the actor, uh, Shin Ha Kyun? Oh, played? I mean, he did a good job. I think also uh, makeup and costume was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always wearing like 20 sweaters uh, because he's always sick. Uh, and then and the makeup is just, they always, he always has his knots. Yeah. Um, his hair is like greasy and it, yeah, they, they do a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's sort of one of those Korean faces where you see him in a lot of stuff. He's usually not like the leading, leading person. But a uh, funny thing, uh, fact about this, random trivia, is that he is also in the Vengeance trilogy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And he gets drowned by uh, Song Gong-ho in that film, too. So uh, he gets killed by Kim Ok-bin in a different film and drowned by Song Gong-ho twice. So uh, poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> Who was he on that one? Um. He is, uh, he's the deaf mute guy. Oh, the main character. So, the main character, or one of the main, yeah. I always yeah. thought he, uh, I always thought he was the main character, the deaf mute guy. Uh, I guess so. I mean, it's been a while since I saw that film too. Uh, listed first on the cast as Song Gong Ho, and then Shin Ha Kyun is second. So yeah, but Song uh, Gong. I feel like Song Gong Ho uh, was. It's probably it's probably listed first because he's the more famous. Probably, yeah. Probably. Because the deaf guy is the guy who basically he's trying to get a gift for his sister. He ends up losing his uh, organs and not getting any money or something like that. I forget. I forget what it was. I yeah. mean, I forget the movie. But the whole point is, he goes through shit. And yeah. Anyways, that's a different movie. Also very good. I don't yeah. remember much of it. But apparently he likes to choose roles where he gets the shit ruined in the end. Right, but in, but in that one he's a main character. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Uh, and, yeah. and in all fairness, in a lot of Park Chan and Wook, everyone dies. <laughs> Park Chan and Wook, he, he tends to kill off a lot of characters. Vengeance Trilogy, this film, uh, not a lot of survivors. True, true, true. Um, all right, so Priest Ro, uh, that's uh, played by Park in... In one, mm-hmm. uh, I I never know if I'm pronouncing names well. And uh, actually, I don't know if you you're good at, good at those either. I'm neither probably like are... I'm probably like seven percent better than you, so barely. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, ne- neither of us are Koreans. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's kind of an interesting character too. He's, in my view, the human of the film. Uh, and by that I mean. You got the family. It's a family of monsters. The priest is an overly zealous man of his religion who becomes a monster. And then, uh, I mean, the Filipino girl is just the victim or the survivor. Uh, But uh, like the true 
person who you get to meet because you also don't get to meet the Filipino girl that much because she doesn't speak Korean. So the only person who you really get to meet well outside of all this crazy humans right. is the priest. Right, right. The only one disconnected from sort of like the, the Mahjong game, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, yeah, and, he, and nurse, and the nurse too. Right, and I think he's an interesting character, uh, mainly in relation to uh, Song Gong Ho or Song Hyun's uh, what he decides to do uh, mm-hmm. and why he decides to kill him. What is your reading on that? Because um, it's it's interesting. It, it stands out as being different than just about all of the other deaths in the film. Like, why does Song uh, Song Hyun decide to uh, murder a Priest Row? I think so. Peace Row seems like he uh, was Song Hyun's, Song Hyun's uh, superior, right? And Song Hyun basically looks up to him. Mm-hmm. Song Hyun wants to be a good priest, and he looks at uh, Priest Row as one of those. So when Priest Row asks him to to share his blood, to become a vampire, to be able to see again. Um, it really hurts Sun uh, Hyun in the sense that he already feels bad because he fell. And now he feels like he is the temptation for Priest Ro. So I, I think when he kills him, he makes that decision in order to have Priest Ro die clean with a clean soul so he can go to heaven as opposed to sin by taking uh, the priest's, the Sung Hyun's blood. I think that's, so it's, it's again, he making a decision on someone else based mm-hmm. on his personal guilt. Mm-hmm. He feels guilty, guilty, and I mean it's sort of it's almost like uh, he victim blames himself. Therefore, he has to kill someone else. Yeah, or I, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't think you're wrong uh, on that too. I mean, the other thing could be that he finds it so off-putting or uh, or bad that this guy, because the priest really wants his blood, so he can like see basically mm-hmm. which if you think about it isn't like a crazy thing to want um yeah. and so uh but song kong ho or song hyun uh finds it so bad or off-putting that like this godly man that he looks up to and probably has on a pedestal would want that mm-hmm. that he has to uh kill him um which is another reading i don't know that the movie ever spells out exactly why it is but i, I do like the way that you read it i think it's probably some mix of uh, psychological reasons that Song Hyun uh, eventually does kill him because compared to everyone else, um, it's it's a very interesting kill because it's different and it sort of occurs like when he's going on this bender of guilt, um, mm-hmm. uh, and he's sort of like really fallen, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, after, he... after after killing a uh, Kong Wu, so yeah, right, exactly. He was trying. He's basically giving up his life. He was actually trying to kill himself by not drinking blood anymore because mm-hmm. uh, the Emmanuel's uh, virus was uh, started to kill him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but the the priest sort of gives him a second wind. <laughs> the blind priest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's an interesting character. He's also the only empathetic character you see. Although, although again, you, you kind of ask yourself, is he truly empathetic? Like by empathetic, I mean like he's uh, when uh, when Sung Hyung, when Sung Hyung uh, um, confesses to the blind priest, the blind priest is like, "Cut off my wrist, drink blood out of me," uh, and. And you think of yourself, you, you can think, oh, that's, you know, very, uh, very empathetic. But then later he has an ulterior uh, motive. So maybe, maybe, maybe Sung uh, Hyun felt betrayed by, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, especially that like a mentor figure that he obviously clearly looks up to. Uh, it, it has like a very earthly motive, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, and which at the end, in the end, I mean, that's that, that's the thing. Like, right? Sung Hyun uh, is a, a zealot. He really is. Yeah, I mean, he's a highly flawed character, um, and I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, one interesting thing, while we are on the priest, though, is uh, his uh, when uh, Song Hyun basically confesses to him what's going on uh, and how he's basically become a vampire. Uh, he doesn't hesitate at all to give him his blood. And he is, he basically says, uh, God will let you eat, uh, and, and gives him blood. And I think it's sort of interesting, uh, just the way that different groups will like interpret the text and stuff like that. Um, and he probably interprets it sort of like it in a way where like Christians started to eat pork at a certain time, uh, that differentiated them from like Jewish and, uh, Islamic mm-hmm. people. Um, and so seeing this uh, vampirism as like another way and this way to nourish his body and get fed. I thought it was interesting just to see that. A lot more yeah. of that sort of thing in Midnight Mass, but I thought there's like a lot of small little touches and details that are clearly well thought out um, in this film. Yeah, that, that is a very interesting thing because that concept gets brought up later uh, when um, when uh, Sang Hyun is mad at Taiju because she's killing people to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically tells him, but father, is it a sin for a fox to kill chicken in order to eat? And it sort of goes back to it, right? Uh, what you just said, what, what you know, the blind priest says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then... And then, like, Song Wu has all these... Song Hyun, sorry. Has all these ways to, like, maximize uh, the amount of food. It's like, don't waste it. <laughs> and it's sort of like these ways that we talk about, like, pork or, or just, like, food in general. It's like, don't waste your food, uh, stuff like that. It's like... So it's interesting to see that sort of twisted on their head when they're talking about, like, humans. And we see sort mm-hmm. of, like, like, uh, like Song Hyun, it's like, who's obviously not a vegetarian or anything like that, but is like, don't waste your food. Um, yeah. And, like, turn the bodies upside down and drain it. <laughs> uh, so I like those touches. Yeah, no, it was very good, and it, it, it also gives an explanation of uh, of how they eat <laughs> or how he eats. Yeah. Um. So now, um, all right, let's go into just scenes now. I think I've uh, actually before. So let's go. Yeah, let's go into scene. So we talked about the Maj- the first mahjong scene. Um, now, I'm gonna, 
this film has because it has romance it also has some eroticism and in that we have this the two sex scenes and they're both sort of interesting how they play with each other the first where where the priest sort of tries to go uh, get like tries to kiss or ends up kissing uh, kissing uh, Taiju and he sort of starts it but then the guilt comes in and she finishes it so in when he first tries to kiss her it doesn't seem like it's consensual but then when she actually fucks him it also mm-hmm. does not seem consensual are we talking about the hospital no the first part the 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 one where oh oh they're downstairs and she yeah they're downstairs gets called uh-huh yeah because like as soon as uh, it sort of starts getting serious he starts uh hitting himself yeah and yeah. <laughs> Which is a very alarming thing to do in the middle of the sex. <laughs> it is, it is. So basically, yeah. he's trying to stop himself from having sex. And she sort of smiles. She has It was one of the first times you see that, that evil smile that she has. And she kind of forces open his legs <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to get on top of him. No, great point. Yeah, it's almost like um, a, a gender reverse there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then you got the second time where um, I thought it was interesting how... Before they even have sex, uh, he bites her and, uh, to sort of drinks her bl- drink her blood. And she mm-hmm. enjoys it. And then she questions her mor- own morality for enjoying yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. She's like, am I a pervert <laughs> for liking this and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. And he's like the fucking vampire there. Uh, and he's like the one doing it. So, yeah. No, I like that too. It was a nice touch. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and then that second sex scene goes to it for a little bit too long. But... Uh, Oh, I wasn't bothered by it, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, it's stylistic, uh, and and I mean, there is some uh, body cues that I thought were interesting, especially in the second one. Uh, like, there's one, like, the way that she's always looking at him, and whenever he looks up or down, she forces him to look at her and uh, uh, to her eyes too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she, he kind of looked down, and she pulls him by the hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, to look at her in her eyes, and she's super intense about it, and that that was kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the message was being portrayed. If there's a, uh, I, I think maybe the power dynamics. Yeah, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that was really good. Uh, the killing of the sun. Uh, as a scene. You know, uh, well, you're forgetting was... the uh, the sex scenes that uh, Kongu gets to join in on. Oh, <laughs> oh, you mean the <laughs> the haunting, the hauntings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that? The the fact that uh, <laughs> the, the 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 sun's ghost shows up, uh, Kang Wu shows up everywhere. You know, it's visually very creative, and I get what he's going for, but if I were to complain about the film, uh, is like, the parts in this section, for some reason it just doesn't quite flow for me, even though visually it's just as interesting as most of the film. I'm not sure what it is uh, about it, uh, but yeah, it, it it is the part that probably takes me the most out of the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting enough that it kept, it, it kept me in, like... 
it, it has those little elements the ghost right uh when they're having sex and him being in the middle yeah 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 <laughs> just like yeah. spewing water uh that, that's kind of funny yeah, um bit of a boner killer i know uh, I mean, there's a couple of details in this film that are, especially dealing with sex, that are kind of uh, interesting. And, and perhaps this goes back to, you know, the Catholic priest and sex being so bad. Uh, for example, um, when you have the scene where he he's, um, his senses uh, are completely heightened and he, get, he hears everything, right? He hears the priest praying, people walking... Blah, 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 blah. And then there's one quick cut of a guy jerking off and just finishing. It's just like, ah. And, and then it just goes to something else. And it's a very strange, because you have this sequence with the music, yeah. like bombastic music. And it's just a montage. And then in that montage, you have that little jerking off guy. And, <laughs> and then it repeats everything really fast. Uh, it it goes through he's the jerking off guy's face oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man uh, uh it was an interesting inclusion yeah. i wonder what that guy's doing now <laughs> <laughs> he's also he's he's married now he's like oh that's me you know you missed it <laughs> did you know uh, i was in a movie once <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe he's in a famous actor who knows yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. he's like the tom cruise of south korea <laughs> Probably not. That's probably Song Kong Ho. I mean, uh, I gotta say this about uh, Park is that I do like how it doesn't always work necessarily for me. The stuff of like the three way with like the Song Woo Ghost, Kong Woo Ghost doesn't totally work. But I do like how he just fucking goes for it. It's like a yeah. lot of times people hold back and he just goes for it. It's like you think about sex scenes in like a number of his films. Uh, old Boy is fucking incest. This film, it's like vampiric. Handmaiden, uh, it's probably the most normal. It's it's lesbians, though. Uh, and like the film is uh, kind of famous for those scenes. So I do like how we have like this director that's like, I don't know. He's just like going for it. Uh, yeah. And like, I don't know that there's like a great um, American equivalent or, or equivalent anywhere else, really. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because in, I think in the U.S. Uh, you might have it in comedy. Um, who? What? I always forget the name of the the guy from Magic Mike. Uh, oh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Like, uh, have you ever watched This Is the End? No, I haven't. I mean, it's not sex per se, but I mean, like, in that uh, he plays the gimp. Hmm. Like, there's a scene where there's a gimp, like, you know, a Pulp Fiction gimp. Uh-huh. And he plays that. And uh, he's playing himself being a gimp. So he's playing Channing Tatum is a gimp. And, uh, and I mean, they, they play with that kind of funny sort of sex concept uh, in that one. Yeah. I mean, but, but no, they don't go too crazy. The, but, I mean, you see, like, those kind of crazy experiments or ideas in those kind of movies. You, you're not going to see it on uh, on this, which... This is a horror, sort of, but mainly a drama. And in this drama is where you have a ghost in the middle of people having sex. Yeah. And, you know, I do think it is supposed to be funny. And I yeah. think it does kind of work there. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those, like, uh, graphics. I recently saw a graphic 
that sounds weird. A, a, a sort of graph, um, graph. of just like okay. the number of sex scenes per decade and like male and female nudity. And hmm. it kind of looks like what you expect where like it especially peaks in the 70s, 60s, it's less, 50s, it's much less. And then 80s, it's similar to the 70s, but it goes down slightly. 90s, it's similar, but goes down. And we're actually at a really low point right now. I think mm-hmm. we're beneath the 1950s right now in terms of just like the amount of sex scenes uh, in films. In so they're interesting. Films? Yeah, I believe uh, that. You know, I don't know what they measured exactly, but yeah, I, I suspect it's American films. Um, so we're in a time where we really aren't showing uh, that stuff at, at very much at all. Um, so I, I, I think it, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll just say uh, I admire Park for going there. And yeah, no, for sure. I, 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 I Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. Honestly, I, I could go for people going for it more. I, yeah, for, I, I also think, American films are very prude. I agree. Um, because, I mean, Memories of a Murder has a sex scene. A strange one. Unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it has one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, bong sex scenes are always strange ones. Like the one in Mother, too. You remember that one where they're like, yeah. playing the word game? <laughs> I mean, but, 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 but you know, they, they do. Um, I mean, we, we've done a couple of Chilean films. And at least... Probably three out of the four or five that we've talked about. There's a sex scene too. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's. I I think it's it's more of an American thing uh, than than uh, necessarily internationally. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're 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 probably right about that. Um, but I I mean, even the 1970s Americans were having less of that than like. I don't know. You look at some of the 1970s Italian films, and they're going pretty wild over there uh, in good old Rome. Oh yeah, Rome. for sure. Yeah, you yeah, know, I mean, I, I mean, the American culture is kind of prudish. Yeah, it's I mean, a, and Asian culture, East Asian culture, sort of has that reputation too, which is, I think, interesting uh, that we do see Park uh, really going for it here. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know much about because I mean. I know Japan is an extremely different country to South Korea, which is an extremely different country to China. Uh, and then China, within China, they're all extremely different cultures within it because it's a giant yeah. fucking country. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how prudish or not prudish they are. Uh, since, the only, since most of the Korean films I've watched are uh, from uh, uh, Jung-ho and, and uh, Park. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, I, okay, I guess sex is common. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly for Parks films, yeah. Um, now going into, you know, speaking about sex, the 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 priest's affection towards, uh, I mean, uh, towards uh, Taiju, is it love or is it lust? Ooh, uh... I feel like percentage-wise, it's probably like, this is a weird way to break it down, but like 70% lust and 30% love. Because, I don't know, I mean, I feel like just vampiric and stuff, it really plays up like the physical aspects of that, which makes me lean more towards the lust uh, rather than love. But I do think he does have some real affection for her. And like, at the end, when he says that he wanted to spend... uh, uh, forever with her like I believe that 
I, I believe that he's saying what he means. Yeah. Um, I think it's lust on an obsession that he believes it's love. So, I mean, and this is where it goes into what is love, right? And love is not just wanting to be with someone, right? But it's wanting the best for that someone. And I don't think in most of the movie he ever does anything for the best interest of Taiju. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it, it, that's that's a real point. Uh, like, I do feel like maybe we give him a lot of leeway because we show him doing like these fairly seemingly good things early on in the film. But you're, I, he does think he's doing something good for her when he kills uh, uh, Kongwu. Mm-hmm. And that's probably it that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's probably it too. Uh, he, because I mean, at the end of the day, like uh, she en- ends up trading uh, a controlling mother-in-law, an abusive and controlling mother-in-law, to a controlling uh, priest boyfriend. So, I mean, you know, when she slaps the mother-in-law, he slaps her back. Uh, and she wasn't a vampire yet, so we're talking about an extreme. He has extreme strength right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, even when she's a vampire too, we see him being physically. I mean, I guess we could just call it what it is. I mean, physically abusive to her. He, uh, like, when he drops her off that building and stuff, he yeah. knows she's going to be okay. But I mean, it's it, there's hurt. no indication that it, yeah, it, it's not going to fucking hurt like hell. And, I mean, the film does not hold back. She, like, fucking hits that ledge and hits that car. Yeah, it looks like... she breaks her nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he is... uh, He he certainly does have some cruelty in him, even though uh, he sort of underplays it in sort of his interpersonal dealings. Yeah, I I think... I mean, and and that's where... uh, It's interesting as a character study in the sense that... uh, He's not just flawed, but, I mean... I, I think, to be honest, I, I don't think he loves her. or I think he believes he loves her. But uh, at the end of the day, he uh, he kills her by mm-hmm. choking her. Uh, before that, he slams her against the wall. Sure, he found, it's because he found out that uh, he had killed someone when for, for false reasons. But he shouldn't have killed someone. <laughs> you know, he, he could have... There, was, there were so many other things he could have done. Right, right. And, and there's also part of it that he wanted to kill him. I mean, like, yeah. he was obviously lusting after his wife and stuff like that. Like, like he had a personal motivation uh, to kill the husband as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, everything he did was for himself, um, including the end. When he kills her, he kills her because he would feel he feels too guilty to let her her be alive. Mm-hmm. Because she's fine. She would have been fine. I mean, humanity probably would have been a little <laughs> bit... Uh, would have lost a couple of people here and there, but she would have been fine. And true love would have left, let her live. Yeah, she, she was not having any of the same psychological issues that he was. So yeah, she would have... She would have been fine. 
it definitely would have been a body count. Uh, I would have watched that sequel, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that would be as good or as complex of a film as this one. But if you tell me Kim Ok Bin uh, somehow survived the sunrise and is starting in a sequel uh, where she's a murdering vampire, hell yeah, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting movie because her. This is why I, I love her character because she's a victim all the way through the end. And the few times that she has freedom, that's when she becomes the. Uh, she uses that power for evil, if you will. But that's because she never had freedom. Right. And if you think about it, he never tries to, like, talk to her in, or at least have some conversation about, like, the ethics. He, like, he's he's not much of a mentor to her as far as, like, trying to convince her to do things a certain way. He, he's more just browbeats her uh, when he can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. All right, I think we're going kind of long, so let's uh, jump into the 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 the, the fun set pieces. So okay. we, we talked a little bit about. Um, um, I mean, I, I want to bring up a little bit of the mom's birthday. We sort of talked a little bit about it, uh, but uh, this is where uh, she accidentally confesses that her husband didn't beat her. And one thing leads to another, and they're fighting in front of the mother. And then you have the scene where he kills her and then revives her. Mm-hmm. Again, camera use. Sure, this is probably the area where the movie for you was kind of getting boring. Yeah. But that camera use where you get to see the mother looking at him, killing her as soon as she had found out that he had killed her son and the mother cannot do anything about it because she is, I don't know, paraplegic. Yeah. Uh, it's just so good. Yeah. I, I mean, of, of the stuff in that area that I don't have much of an issue with that scene. Yeah, it is good. Uh, the way he stages it um, mm-hmm. is, is really, really. Um, and the, I mean, that active camera just traveling through that house. Yeah. Getting to see everything. It feels super planned, too. Like, everything. And the way it's edited together, too, it's mm-hmm. a very, very particular style. Like, I, I feel like Bong Joon-ho's a great director. And for me, his films feel a little tighter and more connected. Uh, the connective tissue is just a little more strict. And they flow in a certain way. But Park, I do think, has a lot of style. Uh, mm-hmm. Easily more than Bong. And just the way he films stuff and controls stuff. Um, I think it's really... Um, I mean, I think he's correctly looked at as one of the uh, great working film directors today. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then, of course, the other set piece is uh, what I wrote on my notes, the Mahjong Massacre. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, um, that one's great. Uh, the whole buildup to it is fantastic. As I've already said, I love the way he sort of films, like, just those mahjong scenes and the mm-hmm. way you just get a good geography of their house. Um, also, like, the way we touched on this on the last one, too, the way they shoot the paralyzed Mrs. Raw and get her to still be expressive, um, mm-hmm. most notably in this scene, um, I think is really, really incredible. And in how, like, the blink, uh, blink if you understand this and stuff, I think that's... Uh, 
that's really really well done and how like her eyes sort of lead people around and just the way it's cut together it's it's an incredible scene yeah it's it's also a really fun uh, game of clue yeah uh with with uh, and and that, I mean, if she if she won her, you know, the the Korean award, uh, I don't know the name of it. I'm gonna call it Korean Oscars for now. Uh, uh, I got you, uh, Blue Dragon. Blue Dragon. Yeah, that sounds racist. Anyways, if she it, won, it's, it's the it's a fact. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I say like, oh, the Chilean award is El Sombrero. Uh, <laughs> I've been to that Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I can see why she won the Blue Dragon because uh, those were the scenes where she sh- completely shined, like without any dialogue, without saying anything. Uh, her eyes just said so much. Um, but I also love. I mean, going back to it, I, I love Kim Ok Bin in that that scene too, as they're getting found out. Yeah, and and she's tr- trying to play all her dif- different ma- man- manipulative uh, moves that she has between yeah. crying, screaming, crying, and then just coming into senses and it's like, all right, fuck it, you're fucked. I'm not gonna yeah, be able yeah. to hide this anymore. I also like the moment where she like accidentally forgets she's super strong. Oh uh, like, yeah, oh, Mrs. Ra's acting up. She just like picks up the whole chair, and they're like, "Whoa, she's really strong." <laughs> but then everyone forgets about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I mean, like I go to the gym and I don't think I could have picked that up. Can you? <laughs> oh fuck no, no. <laughs> she, she did it like nothing. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. So it, it is funny how just one person is like, "Oh, she's really strong." She puts it down, and then everyone continues playing Clue. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they're like, "Anyways, back." <laughs> um, and then yeah, you got the actual uh, killing. Um, you know, she kills the the former cop. Yeah, and that like neck break uh, where ah. she just like punches him and it just swings back. I mean, great shot. Dario Argento yeah. was smiling somewhere. Yeah, and and somewhat satisfying. That guy was kind of a prick. They're um, all kind of pricks, other than uh, Evelyn. Uh. <laughs> yeah, which is the only survivor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I don't know. I, I think all of th- that entire scene is great. Yeah, it is interesting that actually there's another survivor. Is Mrs. Ra? True, true. She even gets to see them uh, die in a moment of joy. But I assume we're getting to that last scene uh, at the in a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, what what are the thoughts you have of the Ma- Mahjong massacre? Yeah, yeah. Well, I really liked all of it. I like how they also slowly move into like what is basically like their killing area, where all the f- walls are painted white, and it's oh, like yeah. like like lit like that. I love the way they changed the set. Um, and like that sets you up for like that almost like great Dario Argento tenebrae, like that mm. white on red blood spray. Um, I forget who they kill there, but just like the blood just like sprays out on that pristine white and it looks fantastic. Uh, I, I, was I, that I, was that in the Majan Massacre or am I mistaken? No, that's in Ma- uh, Oh, no, 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 no. You're thinking that was right before it was right before the mahjong massacre um okay. she uh, starts getting sick because uh she also gets the emmanuel virus 
That's right. Okay. Even though women are not supposed to get it, uh, but she gets it, and um, and the only way for her, like, and she cannot drink like little bits of blood. She needs like fresh blood only. So uh, they get a doctor. That's right. And then the doctor, uh, the doctor cures her. <laughs> we'll put yeah. it that way. Just not the way he expects to. Um, but back to the Mahjong Massacre, I really like just the calmness in which, like, Song Gung-ho, as soon as the violence starts, just sort of, like, walks out of the room. Mm-hmm. And, like, we see characters trying to run, and they run into the bathroom, and then uh, she rips it up. And uh, and it culminates to the double strangle, which is also just a fantastic visual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, lots of, like, great flourishes and touches to it. Uh, that uh, I think are executed uh, to perfection. Yeah, and I don't know why, but like in in the double strangle, strangle. I don't know how I felt the first time I watched it, and unfortunately, I knew how this movie ends this time. But I really I was like, I hope she wins. <laughs> that was in my my mindset. Uh, <laughs> because I, I I I don't know. I really liked her this in this in this watch. Yeah, I mean, from what you're saying. I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I feel like I read this film much more conventionally than you. Um, but uh, yeah, you do make me feel a lot more sympathetic for her. I have always felt like you're supposed to be more sympathetic to the Song Hun character. But mm-hmm. like talking about him with you, I realize that he's just even more flawed than meets the eye um, and how she especially is like a victim in the film. So I don't know if I would have like loved morally to see her just rampaging on. Uh, but yeah, she is a joy to watch and, and like, uh, just the way she kills people. I even remember just like that last shot where she's going up to kill Evelyn at the Mm -hmm. end and she just has like the biggest fucking blade. I don't even know what that is. And she's just like casually walking up with like her dress, like sort of flowing uh, Mm -hmm. up the stairs. Um, it's good. It's it's just super stylish and, uh, it just sticks in your memory. Um, just a really really strong visual well Evelyn was the only brave person who literally stabbed her in the heart yeah which unfortunately <laughs> didn't work <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah no I, I I agree though that uh with the all-white set the blood all of that made it very beautiful and then how it, it ends with the last thing you see there is the the bodies h- hanging in the bathroom yeah yeah. Um, and then we go to the end. The end where the I, I would say uh, it's probably the moment where when we watched it in 2009 was the most memorable mm-hmm. or one of them. One of the more beautiful ones. Mm-hmm. But watching it today it was also the one with most CG, therefore the one that aged the worst. Oh, you think so? I thought it. I thought it was I mean, fine. It depends on the moments, like when okay. when they're fighting with each other, when they're burning. All that great, but they're in front of a green screen half the time, and it's noticeable. Mm, okay, fair enough. It's uh, I mean, it's. It's worse than uh, one of the Thor movies, 
green screens that is known to be a very clear green screen. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I know that's a nitpick, but uh, it would have been much greater had they shot it in front of a beach. But probably uh-huh. getting that shot would have been really hard. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. You're not wrong. Um, I do think the scene still works pretty well, um, just with mm-hmm. the musical score, and it really is the emotional culmination um, to uh, to stuff. So uh, their conversation, and I like how it's just staged, where like the trunk, they hide in the trunk, and uh, or she, and then yeah. at the end, she's just resigned to like hanging out with uh, Song Hyun at the end, and they sort mm-hmm. of have like a. Uh, like romantic moment at the end before they both die. Yeah. Um, actually, with you mentioning that, I, I was thinking going back to the lust or love question. Do you think Taiju loved Sung Hyun? No. I think she did. You think so? Yeah. And it, it's all at the end. When she noticed that, you know, when when she noticed the sun is going to come up, she tries to get him in the car. Then she clearly oh. sees the, the key uh-huh. is broken. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, I know what he's doing. No, fuck that. Grabs him by the hand, shoves him in the trunk as she's going in there. She wants to save him. Yeah. And, huh. then, and then she resigns to, you know, fuck it, I, I will try to save myself. Yeah, then she can't, and then she's like, "Okay, I guess I'll die with you." Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just much less emotionally naive than uh, uh, Song Hyun is throughout the right. whole film. Like, so interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know that there's a totally correct reading on that, but yeah, it's believable. Either way, they were both good friends, and I mean, it, and it is a sweet touch at the end where she puts his shoes on. I think that also adds to it. Like she yeah, kept yeah, yeah. the shoes. Sort of a nice poetic ending with Mrs. Yeah. Raw watching. <laughs> On her eyes in that scene. There's, again, I don't know if a perplegic can emote so much without moving <laughs> their mouth, but she did. Like yeah, yeah. Her mouth did not move, but those eyes were of pure joy. Yeah, she, she won that El Sombrero award after she was paralyzed. I mean, the blue dragon. My bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Within the CG, there's like a small clip where the ocean looks like blood and there's an, a whale spewing blood. Uh, that, again, something that kind of looked cool in 2009, but today is like... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that all the CG movies have done is they really... They they have not helped the aging of older CG. I mean, movies from the '90s especially are are pretty oof. Uh, but I mean, even from this era, especially Korean film, probably doesn't quite have the computer graphics budget of a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, has not done it any favors. Yeah, but I mean, again, beyond that, the, those technical things. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I think this film and also the host, they are. It does not. The the films work so well uh, with just, like, the core characters. And, I mean, if you have any takeaway from this podcast, it's, like, we've talked a ton about just the characters and the camera work and stuff like that. Just from those very classical movie-making stuff, this film is very good. 
Um, mm-hmm. So a couple moments of like slightly rough CG, it's not going to kill it. Exactly. All right, so uh, I think you know I I don't have any more thoughts about it. Uh, well, what about you? Uh, not much. Uh, I I wanted to just uh, pose the question of where you f- think this fits in terms of vampire films. Is this your favorite vampire film that you've seen, or uh, towards the top? It's towards the top. I I I, I don't think I've seen that many vampire th- films. Now that you mentioned let, it, uh, let the right one in. Let the right one in. It's a very good one. Um, Interviews with the Vampire. I haven't seen it since the nineties uh, when I was a kid, but uh, it it was definitely has always been my favorite. Even though I saw it as a kid. Hmm. Um, Blade, obviously. Blade. <laughs> uh, Underworld. Yeah. One and two. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you place this film versus uh, some of those ones? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Blade is number one. Blade three, <laughs> to be precise. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Blade Trinity and Yaki. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I I mean, at this moment, I feel like it's on the top. Yeah. Um, at the top of uh, of that list. Uh, but again, I, I would need to rewatch Interview with the Vampire. I remember that was a very, I really liked that movie. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, for me, uh, I I feel similarly. Um, I I think this film's at the top. It's but it's interesting. It's Halloween, so I've been trying to watch a few more horror films. So I've tried to watch a couple of vampire films in relation to this. And it's interesting, just like the depths that people will go. Uh, like vampires have a lot of stuff to explore, just like with aging and immortality and stuff like that. So I do think it's a cool sort of genre piece to sort of explore these different themes and stuff like that. Um, right. So I think this would also be towards the top. Uh, and I hate to mention it just because it was released so recently too, but Midnight Mass was really, really good. I was really impressed with that show um, as far as like vampire and religious themes and stuff. So uh, I would highly recommend people to check that out as well. Uh, on Netflix, you said? Yeah, yeah. Just a Netflix show. It's seven episodes. Um, uh, just a standalone. Um, but it's uh, very well executed. You know, I, I just found uh, the the film your favorite vampire film. What is it? Martin by Giorgio Romero. <laughs> uh, I like Martin. You did. I remember you hated it at the when we first watched it. I find him to be a little annoying. I'm not the biggest Romero fan. Uh, uh, I, but uh, it's okay. All right. Yeah. Have you watched it again? I, I guess. I did see it about a year ago. Um, oh, that's why. Because when we watched it together back in 2008, I think. Yeah. You you were like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Romero, I've always been more just like, I like the Dead trilogy. And uh, I tend not, I, I have never been like the biggest fan of his other films. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, no, Martin, Martin I remember it was kind of, it was a weird, it's, it's a very weird movie. You know, Martin has like the reputation of being like one of his best five. So I know, uh, I know. You're, you're not wrong um, to like it. It's a very yeah. It's a stranger movie. Uh, I mean, Monkey Shines though. It's more memorable in my opinion. <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen that. Uh, it's on my to watch list this October actually. So maybe I'll yeah, see yeah. it soon. Yeah, you should. You should. It's uh, 
it's one of the more nonsensical films that somehow works somehow really works okay well i'm often on board for nonsensical so uh yeah also did your uh last question for you did your partner watch this film no no okay no i uh I couldn't watch it on the TV because uh, I don't have a. Uh, uh, I had uh, internet issues, and uh, so I only downloaded it on my computer. My computer that doesn't. I do not have the HDMI cable for. Oh, gotcha. You know, like TV. I think secretly you just didn't want to show it because you didn't want the awkward uh, uh, Song Wu sex scenes. <laughs> no, I completely forgot about him. All of them. <laughs> That's why when watching it now, I was like. Oh, this has sex scenes. I did not remember that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the part of the movie I didn't really care for. <laughs> it brought it all back for me. Yeah, it's uh, the romance. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, I think the center of the film. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so what are we? Uh, who won? Okay. Uh, I have a feeling I know who you're going to give it to, so I'm going to give it to the director, uh, Park Chan-wook. Really good film. Um, again, I don't know if this is quite as good as Old Boy or Handmaiden for me, um, mm-hmm. but it's like half a step down. Uh, definitely worth checking out um, for everyone. Uh, it's just a really uh, the core of this film really works. You know, a couple of nitpicks and flaws in there, uh, but uh, the movie uh, kicks ass still twelve years mm-hmm. later. Yeah, I agree. Um, so actually, I I'm very split between Park Chan Wook, Park Chuck Chan Wook, uh, Chang Chang Muhun, the cinematographer, mm. and Kim Ok Bin. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of them are my favorite. I mean, Song Kang Ho is, in a way, this film is great. For is also a great showing of, of him because he tends to, in most of the movies I've seen him and he is more of the overacting kind of actor mm-hmm. the bombastic on here is very mellow well he he's one of the great actors of our time in my opinion like, yeah I agree he, he can do he, it's like shocking the range I, I never would have imagined he had that much range as he does have mm-hmm. um, but I do feel like of the people he probably doesn't need to be shouted out as much <laughs> so Exactly, um, but but interesting. Uh, I I just looked up Chun Chun Hoon's uh, uh, career, and he sort of had an interesting career. He's working in Hollywood now. Uh, he did uh, last night in Soho. He did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I didn't know uh, he was doing that. And he, of course, he did Handmaiden too. So he's still working with Park Chan-wook, but also doing some uh, pretty good looking Hollywood films too. So, which by the way, I want I I really want to watch La, uh, last night in Soho. That looks like a very um... I mean, I saw the trailer, unfortunately. I, I hate watching trailers. Uh, but I saw the trailer. On, I mean, the trailer itself, at least, it seemed, seems like a very uh, interesting or exciting movie. So. Yeah, it's supposed to be uh, Jello-inspired, so I'm always yeah. curious about that. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I did see that he is in Hollywood uh, doing a bunch of stuff. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just did some filibustering for you. So who are you? Uh, who, who's get, who won the movie? Ah, uh, you know it. I'm gonna give it to um, Kim Okbin. Okay, that's who I thought you were gonna give. Yeah, it to. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but I wanted to keep the mystery. Um, 
but I mean, no, it's a very close one. I, mm-hmm. I think all three of them are, are like all, all those three elements are just so good. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, what's your rating? Yeah, uh, so there's parts of this film that I think are 10 out of 10, and there's parts that are more like 6 or 7, so I'm going to give it um, 8.5 out of 10. You know, I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. Uh, this rewatch, I, I, I just really liked it. Cool, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I think, it's, I think it's a good movie, and I think, I mean, the other major factor that I don't think we mentioned with these film too is like, we're older. It's like we were like 22, 21 mm-hmm. uh, when the film came out. It's like we're older. And I think some of the themes with the film of like spirituality and morality and uh, sex and stuff, I think they might just resonate more as just more experienced human beings. Uh, so uh, I, uh, I I think, uh, I don't know, I, I, I like the film a lot too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and even romance. So I mean, like, yeah. you know, 21, 22 year old dudes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And romance. Yeah, I'm. We probably would have hated this film if we were like thirteen. Oh yeah, for sure. We would yeah. be like, I mean, we would have also used terms that are unacceptable today when we were thirteen in the in in the <laughs> early two thousands. Uh, yeah, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> but we are mature now. Yeah, we are mature individuals. <laughs> mature. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways. Uh. So yeah, eight and a half, nine. Uh. In short, you know, if uh, you want to check out this director, this is a great film to watch. Uh, yeah. Oh, one last question for you. Um, I'm just gonna squeeze this one in really fast. So, same year as Mother, who would you have voted for for uh, Best Picture of the Blue Dragon Awards that year? Shit, um, that's difficult. Um, mother is very good. Yeah, mother won. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I probably would have given to mother. I would have been too. Uh, with regrets, I do think parts of this film are even better than mother, though. But yes, sorry. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I let me guess. Um, the mother won. Yeah, uh, another one. Yeah, but no, no. But for best actress, the actress for Mother was the one who won. Oh, uh, give me a moment. Two thousand nine. Uh, no, actually, uh, Closer to Heaven, a different film. Um, have you seen that? Haji Wan. Um, I'd have to look it up. I don't recall it. No, I don't think I've seen this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay, I'm not but, gonna be. We're not gonna. But they were both nominated. Uh, the mother Kim Hae Ja and Kim Ak Bin from this film were nominated. Well, I hope that whoever won, just was really good because uh, the two main the two main actresses in both this one and Mother are fucking amazing. So like whoever won. Like, I mean, honestly, it's like maybe it speaks to Hollywood a bit too. That's like these two great performances. Uh, in great films too, Mother and Thirst are both fantastic. It's like mm. if like those two just got transported to Hollywood in two thousand nine, I would be very tempted to give the award to either of them too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I was nominated for best film in two thousand nine. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna jump into Hollywood and to the Oscars, but uh, pretty sure it was a fine movie. 
Sure. And I'm pretty sure the performance was a fine performance. Yeah. And by, by fine, I mean it could have been completely excellent and the best performance ever to, eh, it's good. Because, I mean, yeah. whoever wins is usually that. That's the range. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes in Hollywood, too, I feel like for Best Actress, uh, it's like, oh, it was a great performance in kind of a mediocre movie. And just because, like, women tend to just, like, not get the juiciest parts in, like, the top-winning award films. Yeah. Or sometimes uh, whoever wins is wins because the character was written so well and is not really any is not to the merit of the actors I mean my, my, my biggest that's my biggest complaint from the 29 uh, the Oscar the 2020 Oscars or but, but for the movies from 2019 in that uh, Laura Dern won uh, best supportive actor in uh, supportive, supportive actress in um, uh, uh, the divorce in, one in Marriage Story. Yeah. And in my opinion, she was good. The character was extremely likable. But to me, the best actress in that one would have been, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Lawrence Pugh for uh, Little Women. Oh. Because yeah. she was she was playing on the paper an extremely dislikable character on paper. And she made it likable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I probably agree with you there. <laughs> We're evaluating very different movies, though. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, like to me, to me, that's what th- those are the moments where, like, you know, you got, like, like Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. He won the Oscars because he was in a very in a very mediocrely directed film. Yeah. And that he carries he carried the film himself alone. Yeah, it's true. I do feel like women tend to end up in that situation more often, where it's mm. like Charlize Theron and Monster, which is a fine film, but it's not like great. Uh, but Monster won like the that. Oscars, didn't it? It won Best Actress, but it oh, didn't win anything okay. else. Uh, oh, okay. So I feel like they're like films, sort of like Joker's a good comparison, where it's like the film itself. Joker's okay. I, I mean, I like it in general. Um, it's a good I don't movie. think it's a masterpiece. Um, but uh, like Joaquin Phoenix is extremely good in that movie like and he it's a very showy part too so yeah. i don't know yeah even though in my opinion his best performance is on her anyways all of those yeah. are just completely yeah. relevant discussions. so this is on our patreon where we discuss oscar movies uh <laughs> for just 25 dollars a week a week <laughs> and we all, and we and we upload once a month only <laughs> yeah yeah five minute discussions <laughs> I mean, hey, if we ever become big enough, we probably would have those things. But yeah, but hey, the, the you know the level of engagement we see uh, uh, does not allow for us to grow. <clears throat> so, with that said, if you have any comments about our episodes, if you have questions, you know you can hit us at ZA Film to Film. Right, that's on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at gmail dot com or well, oh. no, no, at Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Twitter is a at ZA Film to Film. Yep, and then our email is ZA Film to Film, and again, the two is a number two, not the not T O, in both cases. So you can always hit us in both of those situations. Uh, 
that way we got we get bigger and we get to do more things also on whatever podcast if you can actually rate us in whatever podcast you listen to then fucking do it and do hi <laughs> <laughs> and by that we mean five yes <laughs> yeah this is a five out of five podcast or ten out of ten is whatever or ten out of five if you can shit okay <laughs> anyways good night watch thirst it's a beautiful romance